Emmanuel, God with us. Father, this morning we once again thank you, Lord, for you are here with us, with all your children everywhere. Whatever they are going through, your promise stands and it is true that you will be with us forever and ever. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. This morning, we commit ourselves and your church here, everywhere, into thy hands. And I pray the hand of God, the hand of comfort and strength and healing and deliverance and power and might will rest upon us, O Lord. For you are everything. And you are everything that we need. It's in you, Lord. So this morning, speak to us, pray through us, and be with us, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we continue our study. We turn to First Corinthians 13, 13. Now, three things. Now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And then we will go to Galatians 5, 6. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters in Christ Jesus, but faith working through love. And what happens is when we have these two, our hope is real. Hope is real. It's not false. It is real. It's an unbeatable combination. If, if, if you look at why the Bible is talking and Paul is teaching the church, God is teaching the church through Apostle Paul, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 33 and 34. 11, 33, yeah. It gives you a list of what people did because of faith. 33 and 34, he says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. If you look at that list, it's an unbelievable list over there. But at the end, God says, if you do not have love, all this is nothing. All this is is nothing. All these efforts are good. It helps people, helps the person who did it. But when we stand before God, it will be considered nothing. It's a very, very sobering thought. Okay, like we're not talking. Like I said yesterday, that I'm, uh, on Monday, there are two things. One is our hope of salvation. The other is of a hope of glory. When it comes to a hope of glory, it is not faith that matters. When it comes to the hope of salvation, it is our faith in the love of God. But when the hope of hope of glory, it is love that works itself. It's not that just love alone, but love it works in salvation. So the motivating factor is is love. The motivating factor, the empowering factor is love. But love without faith, remember, will be very passive or misdirected. Love does not hear. 
faith hears. Love does not hear. Love can take your energies and put it into places where God never asked you to do. And many ministries are started that way. It started in love, even love that delivers. But the question is, is there faith? Did you hear? Where did you get your direction from? Where did you get your direction from? Okay, where did you get your direction from? So there is love and there is faith. Okay, there is faith. And God says, put this both together. Because love is a very powerful. I mean, it is, it is emotions. There is passion in it. it is, all that is there in it. But the question is, love does not give direction. Direction is given by faith. And faith is a continuous process. But faith itself can have direction, but without love, it will be empty. And you know, you see the old covenant prophets over there. So the motivating factor, you can have love without much faith. You can have faith without much love. Um, you cannot fully have one without the other because both are from God. Okay, So we have to be very, very careful about this because once this two is there and we grow in it, our hope becomes real. Our hope becomes real. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 9 to 12. 6, 9 to 12. But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. So there is salvation and there are things that accompany salvation, which makes our hope sure. Okay, For God is not unjust to forget your work, which is a work of faith, and the labor of love, which you have shown toward his name. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Like I, like I said, I don't know when I said, but I know I said. I cannot remember when I said. When we love God, when we love God, God says, if you love me, keep my commandments, of which one is negative, don't do these things. And then one is positive, do these things. But if you notice, it is entirely directed towards man. God is not benefited by my service. He doesn't need my service. There's nothing I can do for God. God is a self-existing, complete in himself. So when he says, if you love me, then do this to your neighbor. Don't do this to your neighbor and do this to your neighbor. And whatever I do towards God is for my protection, not for his. Okay, don't have any idols. It's good for you. Okay, keep Sabbath holy. It's good for you. Okay, all these things are for me. If I don't keep Sabbath holy, what happens to him? Nothing happens. Nothing touches God. So everything is for me or for my neighbor. That's how it works. Okay. So God says, I do not want you. Uh, he says, you know, he's not unjust. He will not forget you. Work of faith and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name. In what? That you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence, the full assurance of hope to the end. So that's, he says, you know, you continue in this work of faith and labor of love till the end. That is what Paul is doing. Okay, and that's where his hope is come. I know what is happening. He says, I will have the crown of righteousness. So you can assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith. Okay, so faith, hope, love is brought together and patience inherit the promise. Okay, so if you look at the whole context of it, if you go to the first words, the whole context, what he's saying is that laying aside the elementary teachings of basic, we need to move towards what? Perfection. And remember, perfection is possible only in love. 
Perfection is not possible on anything. Anything on earth, there is no power. God said, be perfect in love as your father in heaven is love. But love labors. Love labors. And faith gives that love direction. So he says, leaving aside all these fundamental foundational things, he says, come on. Okay, not leaving means not discarding. But now that you are grounded in it, move towards perfection. Okay, and moving towards perfection so that you hope till the end you can be absolutely grounded, sure about your hope. <coughs> so these three things matter. One is faith, the other is love, and when we grow in this both, your hope becomes real. So once again, going back to faith, because faith is the important part here. Going to Hebrews 11 and verse 1. <coughs> Remember, we saw on Monday, we cannot have faith without hope. Hope comes first. Okay, hope comes first. Everywhere, okay? Now remember, there is a faith that is natural to every human being. There's a faith that is of God. Okay? There's an end to human faith and human hope. There is. But you cannot have faith unless you have hope. You cannot have faith until unless you have hope. And your hope is determined by your faith. The more faith you have, the more hope you have. Let us say, you are, uh, let us say, Gideon is here, okay? Gideon or Sirisha finishes their college and they have their resume. And they go for a meeting or for an interview. They have their resume there. Now when they are going, they are going in hope, in hope, but uh, otherwise they won't go, they're hoping, but when they're going and their resume and the entire interview is on their faith, we want to see the substance of your hope, they're not checking your hope, they're checking your faith, you hope to get this job, what is your substance, what is your substance, what is your confidence, we want to check out what you have. So that is where people don't have much hope because there is no substance in their faith. If the more faith you have, the more substance is there in your faith, your hope grows. But God says even more than that, if it is faith that works through love, so the rider is there, you can have so much hope because of faith. Because of faith. Okay? But it could be wrong. You need to understand, Moses was denied entry into the promised land is not because he failed in his faith. It's because he failed in his love. He called them rebels. At one point he failed. He got so angry with his brethren and called you rebels should we bring water for you. And God said you did not honor. That is not the kind of God I am. God did not deny his faith when he hit the water came. But God said it was not done in a loving way. It was not done in a loving way. That's not the way I, I deal with people. These are redeemed people. These are people who are under the blood. These are people whom I did not even belong to them. Okay. Okay. That's not the way I wanted you to deal with them. So you need to realize, you know what, this is suddenly you realize this man of giant of faith has been disqualified from entering into the promised land because he says at a very crucial point, you didn't show the love of God. The people is going to know my love only through you. They don't know anybody else. They don't know me. You are the only one who met me. How are they going to know my love for you? Only through you, through me. So we need to understand that's how it works. So hope comes first. 
So the simple question first is that as believers, we need to ask ourselves, what am I hoping for? We have two things where we have hope. And we have to be very careful we are balanced when we hope for something in this life. His divine power has given us everything pertaining to life. We have a lot of hopes, okay? Otherwise, we wouldn't do anything if we didn't. I mean, why should people study if they don't have hope? So everybody has hope in this life. But that shouldn't be where we stop. Because there is an end to all that. After some time, all these things means meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. And there is a hope in eternity. So we are caught in these two things, temporal and eternal. And when the temporal does not work or it starts losing, the eternal should still be working. So Paul will say, even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed daily. So you need to realize that his hope is untouched. Because even though the outward, see as you grow older and grow older, you start losing, uh, that same kind of like today, I watched for five minutes, five, five, less than five minutes, uh, Argentina beating, uh, Croatia. More than that, I was watching that one minute highlights in Argentina, how the crowds were reacting. It's crazy. I mean, you can understand all this thing. But the fact is that me in 2022 and me in 1986 are two different people. In 86, I jumped like them when Maradona hit that. And actually, I saw Messi so much like Maradona. Okay, he's got that kind of gift like Maradona. And he's also short. He's not a very tall player. Okay, but he's not as bulky as him. Now, looking at it, says, you know what? I jumped and I screamed in 1986. Now I'm looking at him. Pass you. Okay. They made it over here. Because you know what? <laughs> okay. The thing is that you realize this outward man is perishing. Your interest in a lot of things are going. Okay. But that is okay. But the thing is that correspondingly, if there is a inner longing for the things of God. This is what happened to Solomon. He pursued the things outside and he was not perceiving God simultaneously and he said everything is meaningless, meaningless. Actually it is not meaningless. A PhD is not meaningless. Pursuing knowledge of the creation is not meaningless. Why did it become meaningless? Because inside he was not being renewed. He did not pursue God. Because this is the balance. Our hope has to be very, very clear. We hope in God. We hope in eternity. Ultimately, it is all. Because the thing is this. this The fundamental thing is that the very proof of the wages of sin is death is our body. It's our body. Our body is perishing. So it's losing its capacity every day. It is losing its capacity. Okay, for young people, you will grow in strength for a season. And after that, you stop growing. Then you're maintaining. And then whatever maintenance you do, it is not going to work. It is wear and tear. Okay, you can maintain for a season. And after that, it will start showing up with all the dying and whatever you try. <laughs> it will show up. Okay. okay. So that's how it, it, it will show. But inside is a different thing. And so that's if you go to First Corinthians 15, 19. That is what Paul is trying to, the Holy Spirit is trying to tell believers. So if in this life only we have hope in Christ, he says, okay, 
if this is bringing hope, okay? What are you hoping for? Because your faith is connected with that. You are naming and you are claiming and you are shaming and you are doing all these things, okay? You name, you claim, you get. Those who don't get, you shame them. All these things are happening, you know? But the problem is, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most miserable. Most miserable. Now, why? We... He's not talking about the people in the yeah, world. Yeah, exactly. Talking about the people in the king. Why is Solomon the most miserable man? Because he knows God. Because he knows God. Otherwise he won't be a miserable man. Because he's got everything. But he's miserable because he knew life was more. Why does he keep on saying meaningless, meaningless, meaningless? Because he had once really walked with God. Loved God. Known God. Understood the love of God. And now he's gone away. His heart has turned away. Everything tastes like dust in his mouth. Though he has everything. So this is what Bible is talking about. If in this life only, if we after getting saved become rooted on earth and our eyes are only on earth. And that's why in Colossians he will say, in, in, indeed if you have been raised with Christ Jesus, keep your th- mind on things that are above and not things that if, okay, yeah, three one, Colossians three one, okay. You know, keep your mind on things that are above where Christ is seated. Meaning, ultimately the entire purpose of our life should be around that one statement or one proclamation, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And it is not a hopeless statement of proclamation because we know one day the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So even though we are keeping our mind, head is in heaven, feet is firmly rooted on earth. So everything that God is asking us to do is in relation with the kingdom. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Otherwise, we will lose heart. Okay, so everything, that's what God is talking about. Everything that you do, he says, do it as unto unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord because it keeps you, keeps you going. So we need to understand how much hope is connected with faith. Because you have faith for what you hope for. And you cannot have hope. You cannot have hope. See, these are things, these are things which is peculiar to man. Peculiar to man, because man was created in the image of God. He was made in the likeness of God. Animals don't have hope. Humans have hope. Okay, humans have hope. If you go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, okay, 11 to 13. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That at that time, you were first without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, having no hope, without God in this, in the world. They had no hope. They're absolutely, we were people without hope. But you cannot escape you cannot escape it all. I'll, I'll tell you this interesting things if you actually study anthropology. It is that God says in the book of Leviticus, life is in the blood and I have given you blood for to make atonement for your sins. And from time immemorial, in every religion, people drink blood. Because they were hoping for something. What was lost could be given. There are no... Religious people in the ancient world, 
Everybody sought God and everybody used blood sacrifice. Why? Because they were hoping. They knew deep inside, this is not what we wear. This is not what we wear. That's why man always aspires for something bigger. It's always searching, always searching, always trying, always, always. And when he doesn't have a purpose in life, he falls apart. He falls apart. Who are drug addicts? If you look at them, they have no purpose in life. Who are addicts? They have no purpose in life. Because you cannot live without purpose because man was made in the image of God with purpose. Okay. And hopelessness is one of the most symptomatic disease of the final days. Hopelessness. People have no hope. You know why? Because they have, God has been taken out of the narrative. And you know what happens? You look at what is happening in US or Western Europe. What is happening? They removed the living God from their narrative. And you know what? A generation is growing up hopeless. They're growing up hopeless. Because if you're without God, you're without hope. If you're without Christ, you're without hope. Because where does hope come from? Where does come hope come from? Hope comes from God. And if you look at God, but then without Christ, there is no hope. So hope is fundamental because where there is no hope, there can be no faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for. And those who, those who believed in Jesus Christ and they have the hope of salvation, Paul comes and says, don't get stuck there. Because if only in this life you have hope, you're the most miserable of men. You still will not be happy because you were born again for a bigger and a higher purpose. And the purpose is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. You know, you cannot be rooted on earth because you need to understand. That's what I'm saying. But now in Christ, you who were far off have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. So blood is fundamental. In every religion, blood is fundamental. There is not a single ancient religion in which there is not. No. Don't bring Buddhism into this. Buddhism is not a religion. Because Buddhism never talked about God. Buddha never talked about God. It's just a set of seven principles by which you live. But he was silent about God because he himself did not know about God. Okay, so you may call it a religion, but it's a practice of principles. And then after Buddha died, all the other gods came in and they're full of idols. But he was not a for idols, he was against idols. And he did not per se talk primarily anything about God. Okay, but all the other, every ancient religion, there is sacrifice and there is blood sacrifice. Blood sacrifice. So you need to realize we have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. But before that, we were without God, without Christ, without hope. So, even though the Jews were better off, because they had covenants, they had promises, but please remember, all their promises was connected to one promise, a Messiah would come. Messiah would. See, we will look at the book of Genesis, chapter 3, the seed of the woman. But it is only known to them, unto the Jews. The specific knowledge has been given to the Jews. By the time you come to Isaiah 9 and verse 7, if you look, I mean, Jesus is coming, what is happening over here? Isaiah 9 verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of the host will perform this. So their entire hope 
is connected to the Messiah. And the Messiah is going to come from the line of David and he is going to rule. So that is why whenever Jesus, this is his question. Are you the Messiah? Are you the son of David? But remember, their hope is on earth. They don't understand the whole concept of a Messiah, the two comings of the Messiah, first for sin and the second for the nation, for the kingdom. They don't understand it. But you need to understand where their hope is coming from. Their entire hope is connected with the son of David. Entire. That's why when he fed them, the 5,000 fed, they wanted to by force make him king. They wanted to force. So you see, we can. So when he was put on the cross, they became the most miserable of men. Because if only in this life, they became the most miserable of men. Miserable of men. They ran, they were so miserable. So you will see, when Jesus steps forward, he steps forward, you know, different people had different concepts about the son of David. You see, if you are sick, you are sick, let us say you are sick, you got high fever and your body aches and all, everything goes out of the window. The only thing you want is sick healing. He wanted to alleviate that pain and that fever. Okay, if you are poor, only thing you are thinking right now is where does my next meal come from? But if you are rich and if you are powerful, then you are trying, how do I hold on to this? So when Jesus came on to this thing, this David, son of David, the sick cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. The poor were very happy he fed them. But the rich and the religious were looking, how does this affect? How does this affect them? So the Bible says when the, from the time they heard about Jesus, the religious leaders and the kings, they were plotting, they were panicking. Because the whole question is, the whole question is, if he is really the son of David, the problem is he didn't come to us. He didn't become part of us. So if he is the real son of David and if he is not part of us, we are not standing to gain. We are starting to lose. On the other hand, if he is not the real son of David and he creates a ruckus here, it's good to finish him off. So everything is connected to what you are hoping for. What are you hoping for? Your faith will be always corresponding to what you are hoping for. Because if you are hoping for a temporal Messiah, are you the one to come? Are you the one to come? Are you the one to come? Jesus also asked, what do the people say? And what do you say? What do you say? Because your faith is always connected to what you are hoping for. Like I said, even in the world it is the same thing. You may hope for a great job as when you are going to the interview. They are not testing your hope. Oh, you are hoping for a job. You are so happy. Your hope is so great. No, they don't want to know your faith. Faith means the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You are hoping for so many things. We looked at your resume. There is some substance. Now in the oral interview, we want to check whether what is written is true about you. If you join our company, what will you do? How we are going to give you? If you are going into a teaching this thing interview, one of the things they will do is that they will give you a class, a demo. And the problem, the demo is not with the students. It's with the profs. They will show you a substance. You're aspiring for a job as a lecturer in our university. Show your substance. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you have substance? Because your faith will be always connected to your hope. Always connected to your hope. Because whatever you're hoping for is where you will build your faith. 
So the prosperity gospel builds the faith on the temporal. Because that is what you're hoping for, a big mansion on earth and two cars and all these things, money in the bank, everything. So say, build your faith on that. So appropriately, they will give you all the promises in the Bible connected with this thing, most of them Old Testament, and say, memorize, med- meditate, speak it out, believe in your heart. The whole format is right. The problem is your hope is down. Hope is not up. Hope is not up. And God says, if your, if your hope is only in this life, you'll be the most miserable. The problem with any, all these things is that after you achieve that, what next? That's what happened to Solomon. He got it all and then he didn't know what to do. And he got it all very young. Very young. He didn't know what to do. What is the driving force? What do you want to do after that? You look at all the very rich people, all miserable people. Tormented people. Because, see, anything temporal, there is an end to it. An end to it. So God says, you know what? The Bible actually says in the book of He has put eternity into our hearts. So you need to have a purpose which is beyond the temporal. And God says, you know what? Even when you pray, I want you to pray like this. I want to give you something that is eternal. That is thy kingdom is forever and ever and ever. I give you an eternal purpose. It will never end. And you can be part of it. So if your hope is that, then he says, build your faith. And if your faith is built as you're pursuing the eternal, the temporal will be added. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The temporal will be added. Okay, but even if the temporal fluctuates on and off, you still will not be shaken or moved because the eternal is solid. Eternal is solid. Nobody can touch the elements of nature, powers of darkness, flesh and blood can touch the temporal. But on the other side, thieves can't get in, moths cannot get rats cannot get in, rust cannot store up riches in heaven because it's in the custody of God. That's how God is looking at life. That's how I want to look at. In the process, you don't have to necessarily lose on the temporal. But the temporal starts making sense now. It starts making meaning now. So we have to be absolutely careful how we balance hope and faith between the temporal and the eternal. And the key, how you balance key, is love. That's why God says, do not love this world or the things in this world. He says, love specifically for two entities, God and man. Don't love things, don't love the world. You do that, your faith and hope will go wonky. They must love this world and forsook me. Whom did he forsake? He forsook Loving man. It is not possible. It is not possible to love this world and to love man at the same time. God says that is the nature of love. You can have faith for things. You can hope for things. But if you love things, if you love things, he says, you know what, the nature of love is that God doesn't love things. God loves people. Okay, so the key is this. This is the nature nature. Okay. So love is the motivating factor, the empowering factor. If you go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. Okay. The Bible says that, but speaking the truth in love 
may grow up. So he says there is something. The church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. So church cannot escape truth because we were born because of the truth. We have to be grounded in the truth, grow in the truth. But he says, be very careful that you have to minister truth. But he says, minister the truth in love. Minister the truth in love. Because you have to ask yourself this question. Why am I speaking this truth? Everything you speak may be true. The question is in that. Why are you speaking? Mm. A teacher may come to a classroom and teach everything. Everything that he speaks or she speaks is scientifically true. But he may dislike all his students. <laughs> but he is doing it only because he likes his salary. <laughs> so in the world it works. He says, don't bring this into the kingdom. He says, don't bring it into the kingdom because so many people work like that. That's why God says, I know this. This is how the world is. So he says, whatever you do, do is at unto the Lord. The students may not also like you. But he says, don't worry about it. You do it unto me. The motivating factor has to be love. Okay? Because you need to realize there are Two entities that work in life. One is love. One is fear. One is love. And both are powerful. Both are powerful. Okay? Both are powerful. For those who fear, you need the law. For those who love, you don't need the law. Okay? For those who fear, they will do. But whatever they do, they see it as a chore or as a burden. But those who love, the same task is a delight. So Jesus says, I have delight to do your will. I delight to do your will. This is the difference. This is the difference between those who serve because of law, because law brings fear, because the law only tells you about consequences. If you do this, it's good for you. If you don't do this, 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 this will happen. I better do it. So the motivation behind obeying the law is primarily fear of the consequences. This will happen to me. This will happen to me. This will happen to me. Because you know what? You become a slave of fear. And anything that you do, even if it's such a nice thing, it is a chore. After some time, you are tired of it. It's a burden. But you wake up in the morning. You go to work. Now you do these things. It's a chore. It's a burden. Because what is motivating is it not love. But the father is asking the son to do the most difficult job ever done by anybody. Anybody. Okay. Anybody. His life and our life are different. I always tell his life and our life are different. Let me tell you because you are all very young. The years when we were born and grew up, India was a very happy place. Poor but happy because we didn't have TV. We had only movies. The movies were black and white. It was good. The only entertainment an average family got was once a month when they went for a movie. They saw they saw all these big houses, bungalows, gadi. They laughed and went home. But their homes were very simple and people were poor but they were happy because what you don't hope for doesn't mess you. What you don't see, you don't affect you. Then TV came and they started beaming everything, things, 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 soap operas, everything. Everybody became miserable. 
everybody became miserable. Okay. Everybody became life was so very simple. No? When we talk about that's what I said. When I talk about my childhood and all, by the, look back, life was so simple. Life was so happy. Yet we hardly had things. We had everything, basic facility. Like I keep telling, we were never rich. We were never poor. <laughs> we were never rich. We were never poor. But we had all the basic amenities. Like I think back and I said, it's God's blessing. Like to be born in the sixties and to have electricity twenty four seven and running water. And proper toilets. It's a blessing. In the 1960s. With a few things like that. Be content God said. And we were all very content. Then came the TV. And because reading is one thing. You still have to imagine. But seeing is another thing. They imagine for you. And they sell you that this is what life is. This is what life is. Okay, what I'm saying is, when you haven't seen or heard something, you cannot hope for it. Cannot hope for it. Okay, you cannot hope for it. But once hope comes in, if you don't have faith, you will be miserable. You'll have miserable. Okay, you will be miserable. Honestly, you see. Faith works like money works. As long as you have money, uh, it is a substance of things hoped for. Right? You want to buy something? Okay, I got the money, I'll go buy. Why is your hope not in vain? Because you have the substance to meet that hope. Okay? But you hope for something, but you don't have the money. That's what happened a lot, happens to a lot of young people, okay? By the time they are 28, 25, 26, 28, no, when they should be ready to start a career, they realize I have no substance because I wasted my years. I didn't study. I don't have the marks. I don't have any of these things. And all my colleagues are going ahead of me. I'm stuck in this rut. The reason is you have hope, but you don't have substance. You're hoping for something without substance. That is what the Bible comes and says in James 2, 5. God for his children, he changes it all. Okay? Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom. He says, it's okay. I understand how you all got into the kingdom. The gospel is preached to the poor. But the rich is not interested. The rich is not interested in the gospel because his mind is in the world. He has got the substance. He is pursuing that. When do the rich get into the kingdom? When they are old. That's when they are starting to think about death. The rich don't think about the kingdom of God when they are young because they are pursuing all their objectives and everything. But when the first serious illness comes and you get into the ICU and come out, you start thinking, okay, death is a reality. How am I prepared? My money is not going to take care of death. That's when they start. You look at in any religion, every old person is religious. He's going to Kashi, he's going to Mecca, he's going to Rome, he's going to Jerusalem. Where are all the old people going? Because now they have the money and they're using it for religious purposes as if, as if expecting that to get them into the kingdom of God. It won't. But at least they are conscious. But the poor, they have no hope. Because they have no money. They have no hope in this world. They have no money. They have no hope in the other world because religion is a very expensive business. 
the prime minister modi goes to tirupati everything is shut down he goes in alone he sees the deity and comes out but if a poor man he is at the end of the lane he has to wait for hours and days before he can reach there and, and they will stand there with the stick one more one more one more one more one one second you get because you are poor you are poor you need to realize how it works in this world and god understands but the aspirations of the poor is the same the desires god has put in him is also because every man you see when god said he blessed them and he said be fruitful multiply have dominion it got into our soul it got into our soul so everybody has this in their heart i need to be fruitful i need to exercise dominion but you don't have it and the poor hear the gospel there is a god who loves you and died for you enter into the kingdom of god and he says i have made you rich in faith the problem is if you are poor and you are poor in faith that's your problem because faith comes from hearing faith comes from hearing okay faith comes from you like pastor vijay was teaching on sunday about the old covenant holy place the old covenant these are paradigms or or type shadows in the old covenant but in the new covenant when you get in you need to realize 11 tribes were not allowed into the holy place you had no access and in that 12th tribe the tribe of levi one tribe only one person until he died only one person once a day was allowed once a year was allowed into the most holy place but when you enter into the new covenant as a new believer you know what that god of the holy place most holy place has entered into you has entered into you and he's in your spirit and he speaks and from what he speaks is what faith comes from you need to understand what faith is and why does he do all that because he's a god of love so he's a god of love has poured love into your heart your spirit through the holy spirit who resides there and he speaks he speaks and faith comes from hearing comes from hearing the job of the pulpit is basically to reiterate the word of god but you are hearing inside you are hearing inside so there is this paradigm shift that takes place and god says you know what he has chosen the people with no hope the poor have no hope have no hope poor have no hope of this world to be what rich in faith and be the heirs of the kingdom of god so you know what i don't mollycoddle poor people i don't mollycoddle i said it's not a big thing actually you are very blessed i said it takes so difficult you see some of the richest people in india I met them one on one. And you know when I met them one on one I could get an opportunity to preach the gospel when they had come to those places to commit suicide. Then they were willing to listen. Then they were willing to listen. When they are the verge of death then they are willing to listen. But the poor man is willing to listen anytime. Anytime. any time you know they have no issues you go to the countryside to the poor places and all they have no issues how long is the meeting they will walk and come they will eat and come you don't have to offer them refreshments nothing 
They will gather anywhere. You don't have to worry about AC, you don't have to worry about lighting, sound system, nothing, tin roof on the floor. They will sit, they will listen. Why are they willing to listen? Because they are poor. They are poor. And God, God says the gospel is for them. And when they enter in, he says, you know what? You can become rich in faith. Rich in faith. And do you realize, you know what? They can have a real and a living hope. A hope that is rooted in eternity. Okay? And yet, temporarily also, you, you can do well. But so remember, whatever we do, the key is, the motivation has to be love. Because if it is love, you will delight to do his will. If it is law, it will always be a chore. Turn to 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. Okay. Whoever believes Jesus is, is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begat, also loves him, who is begotten of him. Basically means if you love God, you will love his children too. Love his children too. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So he says it's put together. You cannot take commandment one and commandment two and separate them. I love God. You know, a lot of people, you know what, like it's actual statistics. 90% of the work in the church is done by 5% of the people there. The rest of them are spectators. And you know what? They never really feel the love of God. Though God loves them. Though God loves them, they never experience the love of God. God says you will experience it only when you serve your brethren whom I love. If you don't do that, you will not experience, though I love you, you will not experience my love. You cannot experience my love because on earth to experience my love is to love your brethren. Jacob loved his children. Okay, he loved Joseph a little more, but he loved his children. But those children never experienced the father's love. The prodigal son's elder brother never, the father loved him and he said, everything that I have is yours. But he felt totally unloved because you know what? For him, serving his father was a chore. You know why he never experienced his father's love? Because he never loved his younger brother. He never loved his younger brother. Therefore, there was no inflow coming in. Though the father loved him, he's not able to experience it. God has put this fundamental laws about love over there. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. He says, if you love me and love your brethren, the commandments are not burdensome. It is not saying the commandments are not difficult. But he says, you know what? You will not feel the burden of it. You will not feel. What made it light for your soul? That you do not grow weary. You grow tired, but you don't grow weary. The whole thing is this, because it is. So God says, when you speak the truth, let your heart be motivated by love. And Paul was such a preacher. He says, it's the love of God that compels me. Though he says the terror of the Lord, that is connected with what would happen to the people who rejected the love of God. Okay, it is not the terror of God that is propelling, but the terror of what would happen to people, but the love of God is motivating him. It's motivating him. This is the key. 
Go to Jonah 2, verses 7 to 10. Jonah, Jonah 2, 7 to 10. And then 4, 2. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Okay, This man has reached rock bottom. But if you go to Jonah 4 too, he prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, isn't this what I told you in the beginning? Because he says, I know that you are a gracious and a merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness. Let me ask you this question. When Jonah reached his bottom, where was his hope in? In the love of God. In the love of God. That's why he cried out. You need to realize when you hit rock bottom, all you have left is the trust in God loves you. Nothing else. You have nothing. And that's enough. Because no man has gone literally, physically, Lower than this man. Down to the boat, into the fish's belly, the bottom of the ocean. He's right there. And from there he comes out. Why? What is your hope left in? This is what God is talking about. You know what? If your hope has to be real, the reason is it's because God is a God of love. I knew. Otherwise you will not pray. You'll just commit suicide. You'll just go become hopeless. You'll just give up. You'll go crazy. And that's the gospel. The entire gospel is around this thing. For God so loved the world. Why would people come back? Why would people cry out? Because I know who you are. Okay, I know you love me. But my issue is that I don't love the people to whom you are sending me. But God says, you know what? You need to understand, Jonah. I love them too. I love them too. Your problem is that. I understand where you're coming from. They did to this to your people and all that. I understand. I understand all that. But the problem is you need to understand. Mm-hmm. If you love me, you will love the people to whom I'm sending you. Your job is to speak. Your job is to speak. Okay. And that's how it works. So this is the hope of our salvation. What is the hope of our salvation? <laughs> God loved me. God loved me. This is the hope of my salvation. Like I said, when it comes to the hope of salvation, it is entirely built on God's love for me. But when it comes to the hope of our glory, it is almost entirely built on my love for God. If you love me, my commandments won't be burdensome. Whatever I tell you to do, to whomever I send you, it won't be an issue for you because you love me. And if we have to, if we read right, how Jacob talks about in the drought and in the dew, I did not know sleep. For 14 years I served you for your two daughters. And then it says, those, those years were like a few days because of his love. It's a type. Jesus' entire life was 33 years of suffering. 33 years of suffering. Okay, not one year, 30. Like I said, we need to know where he's coming from. Because he's coming from heaven. In this body. He's never been constrained in a body. He's a free spirit. 
Almighty God Spirit. He's been constrained in a human body, born of a woman, in a manger, poor, running around. So he knows where he has come from and where he has. So it's suffering for him through it all. A God who never had to wake up in the morning, go to the bathroom. You know, this is all humiliation. The Bible talks it as humiliation. It's a body of humiliation. And this is a humiliation. So you need to understand. See, we were born in humiliation. But he humiliated himself. So his suffering is different from our suffering. His suffering is not the same. Because we don't even know what heaven is like. We don't even know what God is like. And he became man. So 33 years of suffering was simply because two things. One, he loved his father. And he loved his father's other children. And that is how it all works. Okay. So God says, this is the hope of our salvation. Finally, as we close, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 10, 11. Second Peter 1, 5 to 11. Also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. If these things are yours and you abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. What does he say? He says you can make your hope very sure. Very sure. He says, you know what? People struggle with hope because they're caught in the temporal. However much I tell you, I love you, trust in me, trust in my life, you still will panic every day. Am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I saved? You can make your hope very, very clear. You know what? To your faith that saved you, grace came through faith which saved you. Add these things and keep on adding these things. For your sake, your hope can be absolutely sure. One, your hope of salvation. Two, your hope of glory. That their entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom, you can enter in glory. You can make your hope concrete. Concrete. And that is where, remember, long back we preached on this. We preached on this. You know what he says? First thing you add is virtue. Not knowledge. Virtue. First thing you add is virtue. And most of the issues we face within the body of Christ is an issue not with knowledge. Because it's knowledge floating around like crazy. In the one click of the Google, you can get these many options. It's not knowledge. It's virtue. Because we did not add virtue. And the problem is, as long as you do not add virtue and the virtue becomes solidified, let me tell you, you can promote yourself. Man may promote you looking at your talent. God will not promote you. Promotion is directly connected to those who have virtue, not knowledge. Because knowledge can be acquired given. Virtue has to be built in. Exaltation in God's kingdom comes from virtue. Man's kingdom, not virtue. Though some people will look for virtuous people. But ultimately, if somebody is very talented and will bring profit to your business, he will forget his virtue and says, put CCTV cameras that he doesn't steal, but let him work. He's good for me. But he doesn't trust him. Doesn't trust him. But Potiphar trusted Joseph. Left everything into his hand because he had virtue 
And because of the virtue, this God was with him. This is our problem. And that's one of the simple things which we have to realize. With simple things which we, when we out, out, when we counsel people, we tell them, remember the sheet which Peter saw? The people who get into the kingdom are all kinds of people get in. Don't, you love them. But remember, many and most of them do not have virtue. They did not grow up in a atmosphere where virtue was instilled in them. So they may not be honest, they may lie, they may cheat all that. So don't put them into places of responsibility and then get mad because they did not have virtue. They need supervision. They need monitoring because they don't have virtue. And they will confuse. Oh, you don't love me? Of course I love you. But prove you can be trusted. Prove, because that's got to do with virtue. Prove that you can be trusted. Prove that you have work ethics. Prove that you have integrity. Prove that you are a good steward of the little things that I'm committing. That's what the Bible is saying. He who is faithful in little things. and some. So what is the testing going on? Are you faithful? Can you be? It's not that one day Joseph became the head of Potiphar's household. He started at the bottom because he was a Hebrew slave. He must have been given, like let us say, one small patch. But he looked at him and says, he's very faithful. How he handles. How he handles. No? Because that's how you know this person. This person. No, see, I mean, let me tell you a simple thing. Old days, old days. I'm telling you what simple practical so people will understand. Okay, because God always sent me to the poor people. If you were to be in a home, old days home, you know, one of the things the mothers did in the night, after washing their knives, which were not steel, which was iron, after they washed the knives, they put oil on it and kept it. So it would not rust. If you cut chopped wood in your backyard, you know what, when you finished, you hit the log and kept it over there. Why? Because you're a good steward of something that is so simple. Something. You don't leave it like that in the rain. You don't because after some time when you need it, it's all rusted. Okay, so what were you? You were not a good steward. What did you lack? You lacked virtue. You lacked virtue. We don't realize there is a God who's watching these little things. Are you a good steward of money? Are you a good steward of time? Are you a good steward of resources? Are you, are you, are you, are you? And God says, add to your feet. You are in. Virtue will not get you into the kingdom. Faith gets you into the kingdom because God loves you. You got in. Now God is a God of virtue. Build this virtue. And then you build all this thing and lock it up with love. He says you will receive a rich entrance. You are no longer worrying about the hope of salvation. Now you have the hope of glory. That is how the kingdom works. Okay, kingdom works. And you cannot slacken on virtue. If you are a child of God, you cannot slacken on virtue because God will not promote you. Man may. And you may promote yourself. You may Because today, all you need for promotion is money. You don't need anything else. God will not promote you. Because for God to promote you, one is so important is after faith, you need virtue. And then knowledge. Yes, knowledge is important. Knowledge of now, the kingdom of God is also knowledge dependent, dependent, like this week's news, the one of, it is not Argentina getting into, into the final, what thrilled the cockles of my heart of news that came in is that scientists in America has first time 
nuclear fusion. Again, I know fusion from my physics in school days. Fusion, fusion, fission and fusion, these difference. And I know fusion releases more energy than fission. Yeah, much more. And the thing is that first time they have been able to do that where you have excess energy left. So, if the Lord tarries to come and if this is made at a very mega scale, they are able to harness it, we will have clean energy. All the idiots running after climate fuel and this thing, actually we have a solution. We can have clean energy that does not pollute the earth anymore because that is one of our stewardships. The earth belongs to God. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. That Because what we need is energy. Everything is energy dependent upon here. If we can, if we can, because we have the cleanest form of energy, you need to understand is nuclear. It's absolutely clear. The problem is where do you get rid of this nuclear waste? But with fission, it's a different thing altogether. We will have more. See, why is everybody gung-ho about electric cars? No, honestly, everybody thinks about maintenance, free, cost. For me, electric cars, the only thing is there is no emission. The only thing that attracts me about electric cars is there is no emission. (laughs) You are not polluting my father's earth. I like that. I don't like their agenda because it's got to do with something else. But the principle I understand, okay, but you cannot transit suddenly. Fossil fuels brings pollution, but finds what you call cleaner ways of using fossil fuels. But what is your motivation? The motivation matters. The problem with the left is the motivation is they hate man, they hate God. They hate themselves. The problem is they hate themselves. They hate themselves. That is the problem. But God says, all these things may be right. Your motivation is wrong. But if you love God, the earth and the fullness belongs to God. So don't throw plastic bags around. Okay. All these things, all these things we need to realize is that, you know what? I can be part of the change. I close the tap. I keep my environment clean. I don't throw plastic garbage bag around. Why? Because you love your father. And this thing, whole thing belongs to your father. When we think about God as our father, we only talk about rights. We don't talk about responsibilities. You know? Like I tell you as I close, the most stunning words about Jesus departing earth is he folded his handkerchief. Gideon, did you fold your sheet today? And your blanket? Okay, because Jesus did, okay? Remember this. These are fundamental things how you handle, okay? Handle. Because why? Everything is motivated by one thing. You I mean, one more verse. Let me give it to you so that you understand why this is important. Go to Romans, if I am right, Romans 8, and then we will pray. Romans 8, chapter 8, and verse 18, 19 to 21. Powerful. I consider the sufferings of this person time are not worthy to become. Why do you suffer? Why is Paul suffering? Because he loves God, loves man. Suffering automatically comes. Okay, otherwise suffering won't come. Okay, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Look at that. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. hope. 
For creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Do you know something? Jesus did not die for creation. He died for us. But in our liberty is their liberty. So all these plants and the animals and everything in creation, they are waiting for their liberation and they are looking unto us. They are looking unto us. All of creation of God's creation, is waiting to be delivered from the bondage. Meaning, once the millennium begins, plants won't die. Animals won't die. There will be no corruption. There will be no corruption. Why? Because their liberty is connected with ours. So they are all, that's what the Bible is talking about, a new heaven and a new earth. A new earth will have all the, nothing will, leaves won't fall, flowers won't fade, Birds won't fall dead. Nothing will happen. Why did all that happen? Because their king sinned. Adam sinned. When Adam fell, they all fell. They all fell. So when the last Adam rises, when his brothers and sisters rise, they will all rise. That is why you have to learn to look around in nature differently. Because their liberty is connected with my liberty. So if I am not walking in liberty, and if I am walking in my liberty, I will look at the plants and the animals and God's creation with different eyes, seeing that, you know what? You know why they are like this? They never sinned. They never messed up. I did. And they are suffering the consequences. You will learn to look at creation differently because this is, creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption to what? The glorious liberty of the children of God. What is the liberty? Our new bodies. That means they also receive new bodies. Okay. It's, it will be mind-blowing the new creation. There will be no waste there. There will be no way. There will be trees. Even in the new city, in that street, there are trees. There are fruits. All these things will be there. How it will be? It will be not like what we see today. But if you are able to see it by faith, with the eyes of faith, we will learn to live our lives appropriately and say, you know what, Lord? I'm not judging another man. It's not my job. My job is to teach, but my job is to judge myself. And you know what? I will treat your creation that way. First my brethren. Second your creation. Because our liberty is all connected. So you will not do what the crazy fellows do. Get into art libraries and throw stuff on that for climate movement. And all that is junk. That is motivation itself is wrong. So your whole act becomes wrong. Okay, That's what God is talking about. You can have gigantic works of faith. But the question is why? If it is only love, you lose direction. Lose direction. If it is only faith, you have direction, but you don't have motivation. Your motivation is wrong. Faith can have very selfish motivation, absolutely self-centered motivation. Me, mine, this thing. Love's motivation is completely different, but if you don't hear from God, you do not have direction. Then you fall apart. After a season, it will run for a season. But it will fall apart. Why? Because you, you you did not have direction. God says you put these two together. He says it's an unbeatable combination. Your hope is real. Amen? We shall pray.